Welcome to the Charvak Podcast. This is your host, Kushal Mehra. My guest today is Dr. Narendra Kumar Mehra. Dr. Mehra uh, is the ex-dean of AIM Ames New Delhi. And he's back on the podcast after a few months because I have too many questions. So, sir, thanks for coming. Thank you very much. All right, sir. So, obviously, we will talk about the Omicron variant and the journey. But, sir, my request is can we start once again for the benefit of the viewers? Because people may not have seen the first time we had our discussion when you were given that beautiful presentation. So, for the benefit of the viewers, sir, can we go back to the beginning again? And if you could maybe explain people what SARS-CoV-2 is, how, how it has come about and what has been the journey so far? Okay, let me... Uh, start with uh, telling the people that the pandemics, this is a pandemic that we have got after one century. So the pandemics are not something new to the humanity. We have seen pandemics in the past. There was one, uh, the plague in the 6th century, then plague again came in the 14th century. And then there were pandemics of smallpox. And the last century, of course, you saw that there was a Spanish flu. And you know, the number of deaths during the Spanish flu were far more than what we have seen now. Uh, the fatality rate was very, very high. We had about 50 to 100 million deaths, actually. And in the 21st century, we have already seen not one, but three coronavirus infections. And I'm sure many of you remember that the first coronavirus infection was in 2002. It was not a pandemic, it was endemic. And again, it started from Guangzhou, China. And the case fatality rate at that time was also very high. It was almost like 10 to 11 percent there. The second one came in 2012, which we called MERS because it was mostly confined to Saudi Arabia and the region around that part of the Gulf. So it was called MERS, M-E-R-S. And again, the fatality rate at that time was 34.5 percent. A lot of people died at that time. Now we have a pandemic, uh, which has already spread to more than 216 countries or regions. And today, 290 million infections are known. And at least six countries have recorded more than one crore infections. India still stands at number two with about 3.5 crores. But you know, if you look at the case fatality rate of this is really about 2.2. So much lower than the earlier two coronaviruses. The only thing is that this has spread to all over the world. The other very important point I wanted to say was that we know that the virus begins from bats. Bats are the natural host for this. And even till date, we, you know, the world scientific community has been eagerly trying to find the origin of this virus. And tracing the origin of the virus is very, very important. It is important for in-depth investigations that are required to understand the spread in humans. It is also required for timely control of the future pandemics of the same type. But what is more important, it is very important to find the answer to the question. How did the evolutionary transition occur from a primarily bat-adapted virus to the human virus? 
And you remember by, uh, you know, last year uh, or in early part of 2020, we were all the time saying it's a jump species. It's come from bats, jump species. There has been an intermediary species in between. And from there, it has come to the humans. The, you know, the virus has actually adapted. And there was one transition, which we already knew, one sort of mutation, which we call D614G, Aspartica said becoming glycine at position 614 of the spike protein of the virus because it gave the ability to the virus to attach strongly to the AC2 receptors of the lungs. So it is primarily a virus that, that affects the lungs and the upper respiratory tract. But that doesn't mean that it only affects over there. There are other organs in the body which also have the AC2 so the virus also attaches over there. And you have known that a lot of people who developed COVID, they developed long COVID. And many of them have the problem of the GI tract because of the fact that the AC2 receptors are, 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 are in fact found with the highest kind of, uh, of frequency in the GI tract. And they are also expressed on the heart, the kidney, the liver and all. So people can develop all kinds of uh, other uh, secondary uh, problems in relation to the COVID-19. The other thing that I had talked to you last time was, there is an imbalance in the host immunity to SARS-CoV-2 virus. Now this virus that we calling, we call it SARS-CoV-2, because the earlier one in 2002, we called just SARS, because we had not called it a SARS-1. Nobody thought that there would be a SARS-2. So now that remains as a SARS, or you can call SARS-1, but now we call it SARS-CoV-2, and the disease that it causes is called the COVID-19, because 19, because it was first time seen to, towards the end of the year, to 2019. Generally, any time we fall sick with due to a virus infection, or a bacterial infection, or a parasitic or a fungal infection, the nature has already given you a very strong immunity, a very strong host immunity. And the host immunity has two components. At the moment, you have you people have learned over the last two years mostly antibodies. Antibodies is just one component of the host immunity, and we call it as the humoral arm of the immune system. It is subserved by the B lymphocytes or the B cells, which must turn into plasma cells, and the plasma cells make antibodies. And you know, by the way, I should mention right over here, plasma cells have a life. Plasma cells senes after about four to five months. And therefore you are seeing that the antibody titers go start to go down. That doesn't mean that the immunity has already gone down. Because the second arm of the immune system is even more robust. And that is a cell mediated immunity, which is subserved by the T cells. Now, the, there are T lymphocytes and there are B lymphocytes. And I don't want to go into further details on those. There are many, many other subtypes of the, of the T cells. There are subtypes of the B cells as well. But suffice for me to say over here that the immune system has two arms, antibody arm, uh, which due to the viral infection, the B cells get activated. They are turned into plasma cells the plasma cells will make antibodies. 
the other arm is the t cell arm which goes into the memory mode and the memory cells are formed we have cd4 helper t cells formed cd8 cytotoxic or the killer t cells formed and they remain in the memory mode and that is what we are saying that after you get vaccinated you generate a battery of those memory cells which remain in your memory box so that second time if the same infection comes up uh, the, the it's like an army it's like an army you have already made and they will come into play but what happened during the covid 19 now there are these are two parts of what i call adaptive immune system you know the again immune system has got two components one is called the innate immunity innate is that you're born with it you got it from your moms innate immunity that comes into play right there but the innate immunity turns into adaptive immunity or sort of goes into the adaptive mode adaptive is something that you learned throughout your life you have been exposed to a number of parasites or or infectious agents therefore your immune system learns and adapts it's called the adaptive immunity so those two arms that i said are arms of the of the adaptive immunity but the innate immunity is also very important what happens in sars cov2 infection is that there's a case of innate immune hyperactivation in normal course your innate immune system should go down and the whole job of fighting the infection is taken over by the adaptive immune system so, but here the innate immune system remains in a hyper mode while the adaptive goes down it goes in a hyper mode other way around than the normal and this is something unique that we saw also in this sars cov2 infection and uh, you 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 may remember that i have started writing for uh, you know newspapers and my first article and this was all again my children uh, were very keen that dad you have written so many scientific articles all your life why don't you write now for the common man so i have been writing my first article came up in uh, uh, on april 1 by the way 2020 uh, in in hindustan times and i had mentioned at that time that three factors i you know my title was can india be an outlier in the spread of covid 19 the question was that there are three factors which i thought would make sure that we the severity of covid 19 disease in india would be lower as compared to our counterparts in the west and number 2 the death rate will be lower and i'm glad even today our death rate uh, due to covid 19 is much lower than all other countries around the world as i said that the median death rate due to covid 19 if, with all those 29 crore infections that we have got so far is about 1.2% uh oh no i'm sorry 2.2 while in india it has remained at 1.2 and in the us and other european countries it go, goes beyond 10 or maybe 12 or so and that is because of the effect the three factors that i had discussed at that time and time and they are still relevant even now one was the broad based immunity that the indians have and that is because of the indian population the population in the subcontinent has been exposed to a very high microbial load 
you know we have been living under compared to the western standards in a more infectious environment so our immune system is already in a hyper state and there are cross reactive antibodies formed so what i called was a broad based immunity that the indian population has number two factor was the environmental factors and the food habits you know the food the indian food that we take is really remarkable the kind of masalas we add the turmeric and things of that sort these are all known to be and there are all kinds of literature available in homeopathy and other form indian systems of of medicine indicating that the food habits of india the indian food actually uh, stimulates the immunity but number 3 is a very scientific component and that is the extensive diversity of what we call the hla system you know the when the virus infection takes place the t lymphocyte and b lymphocyte directly cannot see the virus directly they must be presented on a plate it is like i i i try to make it a little simpler i am a very formal guest i come to your house you give me tea in a mug i don't take it i'm a formal guest unless you mm. give me on a saucer and a cup in a very formal way saucer cup that the saucer is what we call the hla plate or the major is to comparability complex you know it's a, it's a little technical term but foreign antigen cannot be seen by the host immunity unless it is presented by that saucer the plate that plate is very diverse in india much more diverse than our counterparts in the west that is another indication because of our studies that we have done that we had done in aims for several years demonstrating novel genes and very high diversity of this plate in india again driven due to the microbial load that actually indicated that you know the ability of the population in india to present a foreign peptide a viral derived peptides viral derived antigens to the immune system is remarkably higher than our western counterparts so these were all factors which which gave me an indication that we will have lower deaths and our severity of infection will be low so those were just the background information i wanted to give by the way i did write a i did produce a white paper on host immunity and vaccines which was published in the february of 2021 talked about the first wave and how this virus actually spread and i have a soft copy and i can forward it to you and anybody can actually have a look at it so this Please. is i just wanted to begin with you and the other one very important point and then you can take over is what does the vaccine do you know we are giving vaccination and we are generating an immune response your immune response to any virus can be generated by two ways either you get the natural infection and get cured out of it so therefore you develop the whole battery of memory t cells the other is we are giving you vaccine the vaccine where we are giving a synthetic uh, virus 
the spike protein of the virus. And what this virus, what this uh, uh, vaccine does is it boosts your human uh, your host immunity to what we call a primary immune response. And then you give a second dose and then you have, then you get what we call fully vaccinated. And we will talk about as you go along the need for a booster now of what we call the additional dose or a third dose. But the two doses are very important because they are the ones which will then which will then put your host immunity to a state of active alert or in, in, a, in a secondary immune response mode where the memory cells have also been formed, antibodies, the neutralizing antibodies have been formed and they will take care of the invading virus. So just a question on the vaccines. Uh, what do you make of this entire debate uh, going around in the world where we have not been able to even come up with a you know, this uh, solid uh, answer to what should be the gap in the case of AstraZeneca or Covishield from the first dose or the second dose. Now, somebody says 12 weeks, somebody says 8 weeks. And then on that, why are there so many varying answers? What are the reasons for that? You know, this uh, varies from vaccine to vaccine. For example, the Pfizer and the Moderna, these are what we call mRNA-based vaccines. Here, the... Uh, the gap between the first and the second dose has to be about three to four weeks, primarily three weeks. This vaccine that we have is the adenovirus-based vaccine. And adenovirus-based vaccine, the ideal sort of gap has to be about eight to 10 weeks. But then studies were done during SARS-CoV-2 infection, very prominent studies done in UK, which indicated that if you further increase this gap to say 12 weeks or 12 to 14 weeks or 16 weeks, you are more liable to generate a more effective immunity. You know, the antibody titers will actually go up. And that is why India also adopted that. India also did their own studies, a very minor studies done in India also indicated the same thing, that if you increase the gap, now, this increasing gap was very useful to, to, uh, to UK at that time because you remember uh, UK, of course, started giving their vaccine sometimes in, in November. We started in India on 16th of January. And they had their second wave in January and February, whereas our second wave came after March. It was something like April and May. And they felt that now that we have this second wave, and if we can give the one dose to everybody, that will be really, really good. So they were vaccinating, vaccinating, and then giving a gap of three to three to four months. But this gap has a scientific basis, you know, and that is why the Indian scientific community or the Indian expert group never wanted to decrease this gap from 12 weeks down to 10 or eight weeks. Even today, we maintain, and our own data indicates, that a 12-week gap uh, between the first and the second dose is scientifically correct because it actually boosts uh, better immunity in the host, gives you higher titers of what we call neutralizing antibodies. So, sir, now I have to ask this question. Uh, you might be like, why are you asking but I Then, you know, a lot of times there is this thing that vaccines are not available. I know XYZ, he took two doses, he had COVID, 
तो फिर मतलब क्या है सो हाउ डू वी कन्विंस पीपल टू गेट वैक्सीनेटेड इन दैट सिनेरियो very good point i think i think this is a this is a point that i myself was very keen to sort of uh, uh, go across uh, you know today uh, more than 66% of our adult population in india our adult population is estimated to be about 94.5 crores so about 65 to 66% of them today have been fully vaccinated when i say fully vaccinated means two doses there and at least um, uh, 24 23 crores have been given one dose but there is still about 10 crores of people who have no vaccine at all who have not taken any dose of the vaccine and i think now with the with even the omicron and you know as the variants of concern came up even during delta uh, wave it was clear that people who are vaccinated fully vaccinated they get protected from developing a severe infection or getting hospitalized even protected from death and today with the omicron that issue has become clear absolutely clear actually that the fully vaccinated people will get may get omicron infection as well but that would be mostly and two third of them would probably have a asymptomatic form of infection whereas one third will have very minor symptoms there people who are at risk are those who have not taken any vaccine so far so i think the message that should go from this podcast is that people who have not taken even a single dose please rush towards the vaccination center and and you to do get your infection because omicron is about four to five times more transmissible actually and if you have not taken any vaccine the chances that you will get a severe form of covid like those got during delta wave are much higher okay sir so now i want to understand uh, in relation to this now there are obviously you know different variants of concern so could you explain to us obviously omicron is the current variant of concern but even if we say uh, what are the differing characteristics of the differing variants like we have the alpha variant then delta and now we have omicron now what are the differing characteristics of all these variants and how do the vaccines perform per se against all these different variants you know you have seen you all of you have seen the picture of the sars cov2 virus is like this crown is like a round ball with the the crown what we call this spike so sars cov2 variants occur with new mutations in the virus gen- genetic code some of these can affect the viral fun- function as well mutations in the spike uh, most of them take place in the spike or in the furin cleavage site which are the sites which are used to which are used by the virus to bind to the human cells and make it easier for the virus to infect uh, the the individual uh, rapidly other mutations may cause a change in the virus making it more resistant to antibodies over there at the moment this omicron is our fifth 
variant of concern. You know, you, you may remember the first time when the alpha, alpha came up, and that was sometimes in January or February, and alpha came up primarily in the UK, from UK, it also came to the northern part of India as well. The mutations started to appear in, in this spike. You know, as the virus actually divides, they keep on dividing, dividing. The virus divides, sometimes there is a difficulty. Sometimes there is a, some kind of a, a sort of block and uh, a change occurs over there. So the spike part of the virus protein that actually binds to the AC2 receptor on the lung cells uh, shows a sort of a wrong, um, you know, nucleotide and therefore a change takes place over there. The, the uh, alpha, the beta, the gamma, gamma of course was of no concern at all. And then came the delta. And delta was the one which actually uh, sort of pushed up the infections all over the world, including UK, Europe, and everywhere. In India, it came up about eight to 10 weeks after uh, the second wave was already seen in, in Europe, actually. And we heard that. And now we have the Omicron. Omicron has much more mutations in the spike, about 52 are known. And most of these are located at the point by which the virus attaches onto the, onto the AC2 receptors of the lungs. But fortunately, you know, what does this virus do? The Omicron, everybody is talking about today about the Omicron there. I think there are four important aspects of this virus that have to be learned. Number one, does it have an increased contagion? And the answer is yes, because it is more transmissible than even Delta. It is more contagious. The second very important part of the virus would be, does it have an immune escape property? And here the answer is probable. Yes, it does have, because you've seen that the effectivity of the vaccine further goes down about four to five times than even Delta. Doesn't mean that it has gone down to zero. So therefore people who have taken two doses of the vaccine, they are still protected from the developing either a severe infection or hospitalization there. And you have seen that the, even now that the number of infections are growing very rapidly today. I saw even in Delhi, there are more than 4,000 infections, but most of them are in the asymptomatic stage or in the uh, milder stage. Very few people actually require hospitalization. And that has also been the experience in South Africa experience in the UK and the US as well. The number three point of the virus changing its color is, does it make people sicker? And that's what Delta had done there, but not Omicron. Data from Omicron so far suggests that it causes only milder symptoms like body ache and myalgia, some headache and very low, low temperature and all that. It, it, the features that are very suggestive of of, of the flu virus as well. But the fourth is a very important point, the more biological point. Why does it spread fast, but causes only milder symptoms? And several studies have come up now, and the answer has become very clear. There is a study done by, by uh, 
the U US group and the Hong Kong group, where they tried to grow the virus, grow the lung cells in the laboratory and infected them with the original Wuhan strain and the Delta strain and now the Omicron strain. And they found that there was less, uh, 10 times less ability of the Omicron to attach to, 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 to the lung cells. It remained only in the bronchus cell, only in the throat, and because it remains in the throat. And therefore, the transformation is very, very high. It can transmit from one to, to the other very high. It doesn't go down into the lungs, unlike Delta was doing. Delta was going right into the lungs and, and it's really damaging them. And therefore, you saw that the SpO2 levels will actually vary and go down and up. That is not the case with Omicron so far. And this has been the experience so far. That does not mean that we should uh, not take care. We have to be absolutely sure that we continue to maintain the virus appropriate behavior because we don't want the Omicron also to grow unabashedly in India. You know, if the numbers grow too very high and some of those people who are who have not taken any vaccine so far or people with the underlying comorbidities are more likely to develop a severe form of infection, people will start running to the hospital and it will unnecessarily put load on the hospital infrastructure there. So, but if you have developed Omicron infection, nothing to worry. You don't have to go into the panic mode. At the moment, we are in a safe situation. So much so, you have seen that some experts have started saying, is Omicron a natural vaccine? Because of the fact that it doesn't cause yeah. a severe infection. Yeah. Some people have already started talking in those terms that it could actually be a natural vaccine. And that study actually came from South Africa. And South Africa has okay. shown that the, uh, if you get Omicron infection, the neutralizing ability, the neutralizing antibodies are 14 times higher to Omicron and also about 4.4 times higher to the Delta strain as well. Mind mm -hmm. it, even today, even though Omicron is, has taken over Delta in South Africa, taking over Delta uh, very fast in UK and the US as well, not so much in India so far, but I would say in India, even today, our major variant of concern is Delta. Because the number of Omicron infections that we have seen so far are not that very, very high. Like you see in UK, UK is seeing more than 1 lakh infections a day. And if you transport that, translate that in terms of population size, in India, we should start to see about 20 to 30, uh, 20 to 22 lakh infections a day. That's not happening yet. But, but, but we don't know. So we have to be careful. The point is, even though Omicron causes a milder disease, one has to be very careful. So, sir, on, on this asymptomatic and symptomatic or mildly symptomatic uh, uh, angle, so is there a difference in the amount of spread that would happen if I came into contact with an asymptomatic carrier of COVID vis-a-vis -a, -vis a symptomatic one? Is there any variation or they would uh, transmit the virus in the same ratio? No, I think what the new data that has come up so far indicates that uh, 
you know, whereas Delta was actually, Delta virus was actually active for about 10 days. Here it actually finishes in five days time. So get cured in, in a much shorter time, in about five days time. Absolutely like the flu-like uh, symptoms over there. So if you, if you come into contact with somebody who you don't know, who, who might have the infection and you don't know because he might have an asymptomatic form. And yesterday only, some friend of mine phoned me that I was going to Hong Kong and I got my test done and it turned out to be positive and I have no symptoms. So there are a lot of people who would be getting Omicron infection, they, they will be no symptoms. As I said, more than two-thirds of the people with Omicron infection uh, will be asymptomatic. And, and, and the rest will develop a very milder form. But the worry is for those who, uh, who are still without a vaccine so far and worries for those who, who may have comorbidities. So for them, it is absolutely necessary that they should uh, be even more careful. So, sir, is the testing of the Omicron variant different uh, from maybe what was required in the previous variants? Do we need some different kind of a testing method? Like I've oh. heard some places that maybe the RT-PCR is not as effective. Maybe the rapid antigen test is more effective in the case of Omicron. That's not the case. RT-PCR test is very effective. Uh, RT-PCR test actually, you know, the test does... Uh, it it uh, it amplifies three genes actually. One of the genes in some of the kids was the S gene, as as for the spike S gene. For most of the kids and the laboratories use, they don't have that uh, that, that S gene kit. But if those who have the S gene kit, this particular virus skips the S gene, so the S gene doesn't get amplified. So it's like a proxy. If you if you get a test done with a kit that has the that also generally amplifies the S gene and it doesn't get amplified, then you can say oh, it could actually be Omicron. But we need to do the sequence. You know, the sequence is the main thing. And fortunately, after the second wave, uh, the government of India has already got about 12 to 13 very important uh, centers in India, and they have been allocated to various um, regions of India to do this sequencing there. Although we need to really expand even more, you know, we need to really um, make those uh, um, sequencing centers double the number now, uh, because the number of in infections are expected to grow. Uh, but then, you know, the test, the, the test that we have at the moment, it will identify whether you're positive or not. So at the moment, the strategy of the government of India is, if it is a positive, then it immediately goes for this sequencing as well to know whether it is Omicron or, or not. But even till today, most of the virus uh, infections that we are seeing is uh, are actually Delta. Sir, someone has asked this question. If the virus remains long enough in a population pool, can the mutation be lethal over time and render the vaccine shots useless in the coming future? If yes, what to do about anti-vaxxers around the world then? So that's the point that, that I was trying to say, that if Omicron uh, actually transmits very fast, and we don't want that to come, come over in India, because it will then create a very heavy virus load. You know, our community immunity could be affected. At the moment, India is doing extremely well. 
as I said, more than two thirds of the adult population has already been fully vaccinated, and only 23 crores have got one dose. It's only that very small group now, but it's not very small, about 10 crores, 9 to 10 crores who have not got any vaccine so far. Moreover, you know, the second wave, after the second wave, our zero surveys have indicated a lot of people have developed antibodies due to the natural infection. So what we have is a hybrid immunity. So at the moment, somebody who has got a earlier infection and got cured and has also got two doses of the vaccine, is the he or she is the safest zone, you know, zone actually. But even those who have got two, two vaccines over there. So we really do not want the virus load in the com community to grow higher and higher. Because once the virus load grows up, then you are going to infect even more. And the people who are unvaccinated, they could actually transmit the virus even faster. Okay. So, sir, two follow-up questions to this. What do you make of the current uh, decision to give booster shots to a certain dis uh, uh, age group amongst the population? And also, what do you make of the 15 to 18 age group uh, vaccination drive? Well, uh, is, th is that the direction in which we should be going? Would, would that be helpful or not? Yes, at the moment, yes. I think what, what the decision that has been made is you know, people tend to look at antibody titers, and I have seen a lot of people going to go, go, go to the laboratories to get their antibody testing done and say, oh, my antibodies have gone down, somebody else's antibodies are very high. As I said right in the beginning, antibodies just a one arm of the immunity. Antibody titers definitely go down after four to six or maybe eight months of infection because, as I said, that the antibodies are formed by the B cells, the B cells turning into plasma cells. The plasma cells have a short life. You know, they don't live beyond four to six months of, uh, of time. The other arm of the immunity is very intact. So people who have got vaccinated, even the 60 plus group, do not have to worry about because they're fully protected. Because if they've got the two doses of the vaccine, they don't have to really worry at all. The booster dose at the moment, we have said that people beyond 60 years of age, particularly those who have comorbidities. So they, they, they need to go to their doctor and the, if, if the doctor confirms that, that yes, you have the comorbidities like diabetes, asthma, or, uh, or even, um, you know, some kind of a cancer and all that. These are the people who need to be given uh, the additional dose. Others can wait. I'm sure the others will also get. There are a lot of unanswered questions that we have got so far. You have learned uh, from the Western literature, people who are given mRNA vaccines, they're going for the third dose of, of Covishield or the AstraZeneca. And the other way around, those who got the AstraZeneca and the best, they're going for the mRNA. So mix and match. Uh, the vaccines could actually boost the immunity as well. That kind of a data is not yet in India because at the moment, the two major vaccines that we had in India are the COVID shield and the co-vaccine. And there is a study being done by our friends in CMC Bellore, and that data should come very soon uh, of mix and match of, match of COVID shield and co-vaccine. Those who have taken two doses of COVID shield, can they take the COVID vaccine and the other way around? 
and I'm sure their data will come, then it will become very clear that if you have taken COVID shield, then the third dose should actually be co-vaccine there. Now, there are two more vaccines that, 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 that are coming into India, the Corbevax and the, and the Covivax, Covovax. Both of these are 14 subunit vaccines, very, very good, you know, where there is a nanoparticle based and uh, they're very safe. Covovax, which is a, a sort of new name given to the Novovax, actually, is manufactured by the Serum Institute of India. And they are themselves doing trials now that those who have got the COVID shield two doses, if they take the third dose of the Covovax, will that further boost the immunity or not? So I think people should wait for some more time. My feeling is by the end of January, picture will become very clear actually so at the moment our focus should be on people 60 plus and those who have got the uh, comorbidity as well they should not wait for this data to come they can go ahead and take the same dose if they've taken the vaccine earlier or the covid shield earlier the third dose can be of the same vaccine others can wait now the second point was about 15 to 18 years Yes, that's a very vulnerable group because even in the second wave we saw, you see, generally children don't get infection. Even if they get the infection, it is it is a it is a, a symptom form. And you saw that the zero survey data clearly showed that a lot of these children, at least more than two thirds of the children, had antibodies, and this antibody was due to the natural infection. And they had no idea that they had been infected. And the family had no idea that they had been infected. But the data was very clear that more than two thirds of the children who were tested for the serum survey had those antibodies there. But the 15 to 18 group is a, is a special group. These are now going to become adults. These are nearly adults actually. And you know, in the second wave also, if there were any deaths, and there were very few deaths in the children who got infected, if there were any any deaths, they were in this group only, the 15 to 18 group. This is the group which also mixes with the, you know, the population, the friend circle and this and that, because they're going to become adults very soon. So I think that this is a very smart move by our expert group to vaccinate these first, because this is not a very small number actually i am told that about 60 to 70 million children that we needed to vaccinate in in this age group and uh, about one tenth of these might even have comorbidities over there so i think it's practically very very important to to save this group group actually so it's a smart move and I'm sure by the time January ends there will be more vaccines over there by the way I should also add that one more vaccine that that is on the horizon is the mRNA based vaccine in India is being manufactured by uh, the group in Pune, um, Dr. Sanjay Singh and his company and uh, they are already in the phase C trial and I'm sure that the data will become very clear by the end of January and then you will have the mRNA based vaccine as well in India. So the booster dose, the additional dose, you will have a choice. But we have to wait for the data to come. You know, somebody was saying that, 
oh, you already have data from UK and Europe. Why don't you use that? That's not a, a smart move. You know, the, there are population-based differences. We just cannot extrapolate the data from uh, European population to the Indian population for precisely the same reason I talked to you earlier, that you know, the microbial load and the immunity the difference uh, between Indians and the and, and the Westerners. So we have to debate for our own data to come. Sir, a lot of people in the live uh, stream are asking this question because this is pan-India, we've seen different kinds of uh, restrictions coming across in the form of night curfews. Koi bolta hai, nao baje band karo, koi bolta hai, gyaara baje band karo, koi bolta hai, saadhe gyaara karo. So, jaysa, aisa lagta hai ki corona shansha, aise ru raat ko nikalta hai, din mein nahi nikalta hai. Sir, uh, as an expert, what, what do you make of these different kinds of uh, restrictions that are coming across India? Because obviously, you know, we are a poor country and we have to balance the livelihood of people and, and we have to take care of the life. So, in such a scenario, what would be the effective strategy? Isn't policy making about effectivity and not just Omicron has just entered India. And Omicron is definitely going to grow, grow, and grow. So I think um, I, I, I agree with you that some governments, some state governments are probably doing overdoing actually, you know, uh, curfew in the night and uh, close the shops at 5 p.m. And this is going to affect the livelihood of a lot of people. But I think uh, wait for a, another two weeks or so, we will know exactly uh, how Omicron is shaping up. Is Omicron driving more infections? At the moment, for, for example, yesterday there were 35,000 uh, infections in India, 33,000 infections in India. And today, again, I see about the same number, actually. It's not, it's not boosting too much. The only two cities where it is growing very fast are Delhi and Mumbai. That's primarily because of the fact that these are the ones where the international flights come. Because even now, it is clear that most of the Omicron that we are seeing is actually related to international travel. And, and, and you know, those, those guys who come into contact with them. Uh, and therefore, you're seeing the, the rise more in Italy and Mumbai or maybe in Calcutta. Um, so I, I, I think we are still in a very safer zone. Uh, absolutely fine, but the governments have to take uh, take some uh, 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 cautionary measures. Actually, I'm sure uh, very soon they will probably be um, you know lightened uh, because Omicron does not uh, affect, uh, does not give you very severe disease. But what we need to know is Omicron driving the Delta infection as well. Delta is our major variant of concern. Hmm. So someone in the live stream has asked, does the intensity of side effects in an individual have any correlation to vaccine efficacy on the individual? Because there seem to be conflicting opinions on this too. I guess what the person is asking is uh, that some people develop long COVID and it's because of the vaccine or the host immunity. That is true. There are some people who develop long COVID actually, you know, the COVID gives, keeps on giving trouble for more time than, than it is seen in others. And that's true all over the world as well. 
but that is true also in other viral infections as well you seen in dengue you seen in flu virus some people tend to develop it much longer and there are some uh, host factors in them which we do not understand as yet you have seen that a lot of people who developed dengue in the past or uh, other viral infections and you know they had a very long time to recover actually so there are host factors it's not due to the vaccine the vaccine will anyway try to both the, the vaccines are harmless they're not going to uh, i mean some people might develop a little ache at the site of infection or small fever a very brief fever for some time but otherwise the vaccines are very safe and this is not due to the vaccine it is the host factors that we don't understand but some people do develop their long covid and that is besides you know primarily because of the fact that i i talked to you right in the beginning that the ac2 receptors on which the virus binds are not only found in the lungs but they are also found into many other organs as well and the gi tract for example the heart the liver and their kidneys and some people do develop problems due to that so sir ek aur something which i actually wanted to ask you before but i forgot so i'm going to ask it now on the deaths you know you mentioned the deaths in india are significantly lower now there are so many papers papers in courts that are coming out saying that india is intentionally under reporting its covid deaths it is you know there are more than 5 million or 10 million like the deaths in reality are 30x i read in one paper of what the government of india is reporting and uh, they they base their entire uh, analyses on the basis of what deaths are happening in the united states of america and then they extrapolate that and say india is lying well, what do you make of those accusations that india is actually fudging data uh, when it comes to death by covid i have also heard those kind of things but uh, i can tell you i go to a couple of very big labs in india and you know every time a case positive tv comes every time there is a positive case it is mandatory for the government about it to report there online so to say that the number of infections were much higher than the ones that that were reported i don't believe because the system has been made very very tight similarly the deaths where would the dead go you know the dead have to be buried or the dead have to be burned the mission has to be done there are, there are sir unhone to bol diya tha na ganga maiya mein phenk diya unhone shareeron ko wo yahan tak bol diya tha bhai jo ganga maiya mein phenke ja rahe hai wo aaj ki baat nahi hai wo to custom hai unka you know that's the beauty of india the india is a very diverse country with very diverse cultures diverse uh, ways of life and all that so uh, this has been happening like that as well many many centuries like this so i i don't think so so i don't trust that there could be some you know n- numbers here and there but that can happen anywhere around the world and you have seen that during the pandemic during the second wave some states had under reported their deaths so that's because they had done a calculation was done wrongly and then they 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 they, they, they were added on to the lot so i i am one of those uh, who believe that uh, uh, more or less the death rate and the infection rate that uh, has been seen in india is is absolutely correct 
there could be variation can definitely be there here and there but that can happen anywhere around the world sir one last question before i let you go sir median is playing a very weird role in this entire pandemic there is so much panicking अभी बोल देते हैं जी कोई डेलमिक्रॉन आ गया है कोई बोलता है फ्लोरोना आ गया है इसराइल में कोई ये कर देता है एक आर्टिकल आता है पूरे व्हाट्सएप में इंटरनेट पे पूरा घूम जाता है वैसे ही लोग डरे हुए हैं और डर जाते हैं सर सो माय रिक्वेस्ट टू यू बिफोर वी रैप टूडेज डिस्कशन अब कैन यू एड्रेस दीज पीपल Uh, you know pardon uh, pardon me from the anchors i sometimes feel that the anchors come with a fixed view you know they want their guests to to give an answer in the line that they have thought about it after all the media is also a private channel and they want their channel to sort of uh, grow and all um, but i think most of the experts that come on the channels they are very uh, you know they are very senior people they sort of give the actual picture over there i have also seen that those issues like delmicron and things of that sort i don't think so you know uh, there is only one case that i know of a 90 year old woman who was found to have both delta as well as the omicron how many more have we seen nil and she also then eventually died actually so i, I don't think uh, things like delmic these are all maybe saleable words um, sometimes the media also tries to uh, across a point that people should not lower their guards you know people have to be on the guard and even today when i say omicron is a milder form of variant it causes a very milder disease there people should not lower their guards and this is again i am saying people should not lower their guards people when they go out must wear their mask because this particular variant is very highly transmissible uh, we we don't want uh, the same kind of a picture to come in india for example in uk where they are having 1.1 lakh infections a day yesterday i saw in new york itself there were about 90000 infections we can't afford that kind of a thing in india we don't want uh, the you know the infection to grow unabashedly in india because that would put a lot of pressure on our hospitals system people will go into the panic mode although there is no need to go into the panic mode because you know the two things are very clear uh, first our levels are immunity are better as i said Uh, both due to the natural infection as well as due to the vaccination second we are also much better prepared uh, in terms of the facilities and in terms of the infrastructure there we have plenty of uh, oxygen plants the icu beds the ventilator something that that we didn't have during the second wave so people should not worry people should not unnecessarily rush to the hospital and you have seen that 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 happens even due to the flu infection you know a flu virus somebody develops a fever of 102 103 or sometimes going to 104 and they rush to the hospital uh is the same thing here i think the what the omicron so far has shown all over the world including in india is like a flu like uh, sim- symptoms 
But at the same time, I keep saying, we don't want the infection to keep growing. Uh, we don't want the viral load to grow in the population of India. Uh, we don't want the community immunity to be affected at the moment we are in a much safer situation. I would say that India is in a much safer situation compared to any other country around the world. All right, sir. Uh, uh, once again, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Uh, you know, it's always uh, amazing to talk to you. Because uh, to be very honest, I have stopped watching news media now for a few years because if you go on the news channels, it's almost as if the whole world is going to collapse. Everybody's going to die and I don't know what else is going to happen. So once again, sir, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast and explaining everything calmly and in detail, uh, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Namaskar. All right, guys, time to wrap today's discussion up. Uh, once again, uh, please go and read all the articles I've shared. In the description of the podcast, I have shared the link of Dr. Mehra's uh, 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 piece of op-eds that he's written in, for the Hindustan Times. Also, you can just go and read the paper that he has written. Actually, if you Google it, I think it's available online. Uh, other than that, please support the Charvak podcast. Please subscribe to the channel, like the video, leave your comments over there. Maybe if you have any more questions, you can send them across. Maybe I can, you know, maybe I'll forward them to Dr. Mehra. And please support the podcast. Uh, uh, I I try my best to you know host uh, responsible discussions uh, on this podcast through this platform. I believe people should be informed, not scared. Uh, we have to be cautious, but optimistic. And please support this podcast. You can go to YouTube or on Patreon or you can send your donations through UPI or buy the merch. And please wear a mask. If you're not vaccinated, please get vaccinated. If you are eligible for a booster shot or between the 15 to 18 age group, please get a vaccine. Do not become an anti-vaxxer. It, it makes no sense. So I'll leave you guys at that. Take care. Bye-bye.